Beats. The show starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Electricity here in Columbia, well, has been buzzing loudly all weekend. Passion of the crowd in Williams Price Stadium is second to nine. And the rain breaks down in Columbia. It is good! Gamecock fans, welcome home. See how it goes, uh, but we'll be ready to go. It's time to root. Let's go, Carolina! It's gone! Touchdown! What a hit! He makes it in! Can you believe it? Here are your hosts, J.C. Sherbert, oh, watch him celebrate now. Bill Molinax, my wife doesn't like hanging around losers, and Jamie Bradford. I'm going to tell you, you look like you joined Doug Dennis, dude. All right, greetings and a good Monday morning, and welcome home. Inside the Gamecocks, the show, live from the Sinorama Studios, the preferred side partner of Gamecock Athletics, and built by the Barndo Co., the barndominiumco.com. If you want to build your dream home, you can do it if you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee for as low as $160 per square foot. We call them the Barndo Co., the barndominiumco.com. And, yep, they are Gamecock-owned and operated as well. JC, JB, and Phil here until 1 o'clock this afternoon. John Whittle will join us coming up in about 15 minutes with TheBigSpur.com to look back and look ahead. Carolina drops two of three and losing the series at Arkansas this weekend, although they got off the schneid and were not swept. And pitching was, quite frankly, pretty fantastic, only giving up 10 runs. Uh, over there, the lowest output all year in an SEC series against Arkansas at home, which is really outstanding. Now they got the Vols coming to town, and they got Charlotte tomorrow night. So it's a crucial week, and we'll get into that and what needs to probably happen in order for them to secure certain aspects uh, of the postseason. Softball is also in the postseason, by the way. They're headed to Tallahassee to take on third-ranked, or th- excuse me, third-seeded Florida State. Could be an interesting week, maybe a big, big week for Gamecock football on the recruiting front. Uh, J.C. will fill us in on what he knows there. Logan Diggs did visit LSU this weekend, and we're awaiting word on what his next move will be. So hopefully we can get an update uh, on that here in just a little while. And, of course, we're glad to see all of you. We hope everybody had just a fantastic Mother's Day weekend. Happy Mother's Day retro to all of you great moms out there and hope you celebrated yesterday and enjoyed yourselves. And uh, hopefully you'll stick around with us to lead off your work week. With that said, hello, Phil, and hello, JC. Good morning. Happy to be here today. Coming off a big Mother's Day weekend. It was nice. Hello, Newman. (laughs) Hello, classic Phil. Hello, Newman. Hello, classic (laughs) Phil. (laughs) Nice nice Mother's Day weekend. I got to... um, celebrate a bit with Nat and uh, all that and that was fun and uh, you know disappointing 
to lose that series uh, if you're the Gamecocks. I, I really thought um, game three, uh, they had their chances early to, to build a big lead for Becker. Um, I thought Becker did pitch. They all three pitched really well um, in the series, all three starters. And uh, that was a positive. The team kind of looked like our like looked like the team uh, <laughs> uh, that had been out there all year. It's just uh, it was a tough day at the plate. Um, and capitalizing on situations that, that were presented. First and third, nobody out, you don't score. Uh, in a, an environment like Baum Stadium, uh, you just hand them momentum that you could have seized, in my opinion. Uh, and the one nothing wasn't going to hold, and, you know, that's fine. I mean, uh, I think the important thing is, is the pitching staff, or at least the starters, um, and really the relievers as well, look like the pitching staff we've been accustomed to seeing. They weren't just getting – rocketed uh, I think Cole Messina behind the plate those of you that said that and uh, I was I didn't say that because I, I wanted to check with some baseball people to make sure I was correct um, I think that helped the guys on the mound uh, it's an unfortunate time to go into a hitting slump right now but uh, I think they can work their way out of it you know guys like Petri and Messina and, you know, Gavin Costas continues to do some nice things. I mean, they're not going to stay down for too long. And, you know, McCroy and Wimmer are just now kind of getting back in it. Wimmer with a big RBI the other night. Uh, I just thought, uh, I mean, I, call me crazy. Uh, I feel more confident after that series. Um, and getting uh, the game two win was huge. Jack from Honey, Chicago fireballer, was outstanding uh, in a start. And what and they – uh, our information was that he probably wouldn't start, but that he did. He did. They're probably going to. It looked like they're going to go with Diggs, but uh, you know, hats off to the Razorbacks. They got a fantastic program and a fantastic team. Uh, those of you that you know kind of critique the announcers, uh, I do want to point out because we always point out when they're bad. They were those guys from Arkansas did a good job. I mean, Absolutely. and they were fair and down the middle. And I mean, they did get excited when the Hogs made some plays, but uh, they. That's probably the best school-affiliated broadcast I've heard uh, all year. Um, after Carolina won Saturday, I, I didn't I didn't want to flip it over to Derek and Tommy because I wanted I sat in the exact same spot on my porch, <laughs> and uh, you know because I'm superstitious. But uh, you know, congrats to them. And a softball team, by the way. Look, I've probably watched zero South Carolina softball games uh, in my in my time. But I watched I watched the last two, you know, and uh, I thought the girls played really well. It was it's always special when you play for a championship, and uh, as a ten seed coming through that tournament like they did, hats off to that program and, and Beverly Smith. And uh, like I mentioned last week, more and more I see people getting into the the, the women's sports, the minor sports, and things like that across the board, um, and that's good because. I think the more discussion you can have about various sports, the the better. But, uh, you know, certainly a, a good run for the softball team. And, you know, I think signs of life in baseball, signs of hope. Uh, Jordan Diggs – or, sorry, Logan Diggs. I think I uh, said Jordan. Sorry. I, I think I, I called Logan. James – I think I called James Hicks James Diggs, too. So, you see what's on my mind. Uh, James Hicks <laughs> was who they're supposed to go to. Uh, you know uh, – BRC says it seems like the ship may have sailed. I don't know. I'll tell you this. I think as of as of last evening, Carolina kind of felt like they had an LSU vibe 
about the situation. Um, I think that comes as not a huge shock. Uh, the longer he holds off on his decision and that visit sort of wears off, the better. But then, of course, the Carolina visit's wearing off as well. So, you know, tough to pull a Louisiana kid out of Louisiana. Uh, I think, you know, like I was told last week, if, if he goes to LSU, it's because he just simply wants to stay at home and play for the Tigers like a lot of kids from that state. So uh, you move forward with that. Uh, like I said, I don't have any information on the NC State running back to pass along right now. Uh, frankly, that needs to I need to be, I need to check on that. You still got the defensive end out there. That's a grad transfer that I don't know, can't talk about him either. Uh, and then there may be some other um, that may not that may not do it in the portal, just based on a little tidbit I picked up um, over the weekend. So they may it, 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 it this may not be it, uh, so to speak. But um, yeah, that's all I got. I got. I know that was a monologue, but uh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, Phil, with with baseball, uh, it was five of the last seven games they've scored three runs or less offensively, and and obviously, you know, there's a lot that goes into that potion. There, you've got guys who are just getting back. Wimmer had a nice weekend. Good to see him back in there. Um, and and, and they've had to really move this. I don't know if y'all remember on Friday the question I asked Coach Lake. There was a point behind that question. Not sure if anybody got it or not, but you know, are you a guy who? you know, generally likes to leave the lineup as is, or do you like to change it around based on who's hot and who's not? And then of course, when you have injuries, you gotta, you gotta fill gaps and move dudes around and try to put the best nine uh, out there. No coach in the world is saying, I'm going to just keep moving the lineup around just because that's what I feel like doing today. They're trying to find the best nine and which way they need to write the lineup to go win. The flip side of that is sometimes it affects guys because you, you mentally kind of fall into where you are and then some dudes, you know, you just keep them there. Just work with them. And climb, they'll climb out. At some point in time, they'll climb out. And uh, sometimes moving them all over the place actually doesn't help them a lot. That's not in any way, shape, or form me criticizing or critiquing Coach Kingston. That's not what I'm doing. Uh, I'm just trying to give some insight as to why guys might fall into a slump here or there. With all that said, let's give some credit to Arkansas. They have the best ERA in the league. And when they're at home, I mean, Tennessee only scored like six runs all weekend against them when the Vols went there a couple of weeks ago, and and South Carolina scored five. You know, so obviously they're they're pretty good at home. And yesterday, I'm such a traditionalist when it comes to the game of baseball. I mean, you just hat tip and move on. They get through 114 pitch uh, complete game. I mean, that, that that's going to happen sometimes. I mean, you can yeah. attack me all you want to and tell me it was bad at bats and this, that, and the other. It was first and third early in the game. Hit a freaking line drive up the middle. Of the kid caught it and doubled us up at third. I mean, that's just that's just mm. bad luck. And there's nothing you can do about that. So, um, you know, there. Yes, it could have been a little bit different. Maybe that would have shook him early on. But man, he settled down and and just absolutely dealt. And uh, and and I didn't think they'd win that series this weekend. I don't think anybody thought they'd win that series this weekend. So. Now what's important is you've got 40 wins in front of you in the regular season. That will absolutely sew up a regional host regardless of what happens in Hoover if you can get there. Tennessee has not been good on the road. You did drop your midweek last week, and you've already lost to Charlotte earlier this season in the midweek. So it's, it's, it's not up time is what it is. It's, hey, look, we're pretty good. We are uh, 37 and 14 as it stands today with four games to go. And we're coming home. 
and let's let's do it. Let's do what we're supposed to do. They more than likely won't touch that rotation. They shouldn't. We've gone 14 minutes, and we have not um, one time said the name Eli Jones, who was just magnificent mm-hmm. in another spot start role on Friday night. And if you ask me, he should be the guy on Friday night. Yeah, um, I agree. And, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and Jack, I mean, come on. And then, and then Becker, that was, that's what you call a quality start on the road. I mean, was it perfect? No, of course it wasn't. But Becker, that, yes, you give up four runs on, on a Sunday on the road from your starting pitcher. I think he only actually, yeah, he gave up four, right, in what, five and two-thirds? It's a quality start on the road. So you had a chance to win. And um, so I, I think all three of those guys are going to be back in there this weekend. And and let's see let's see what they're made of. Maybe Wimmer's back in the lineup defensively as well. We'll see if McGillis can give him a, a full go, and uh, it and we'll see if it can all come together at the right time. They're going to be in the postseason. They've gotten that fifteenth SEC win. I know everybody hates to see the slide, but you know they they have a great chance to pop out of it with uh, with four games this week, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, you, you come out of Arkansas, I think meeting expectations, or at least mine, uh, you know. Don't get swept. I was thinking we'll take one. Uh, and then, you know, you, get, you still got everything in front of you. So now it's like if, if, with something to play for, how are you going to – how is this team going to coalesce on this last week? And then just, you know, you got to bring it home. I mean, that's all you got to do. You can't trip up in the midweek again. That is not going to be a good look for anybody. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, and I agree, like I said, with the – starting rotation you know it's working now so don't mess with it because <laughs> this was your best weekend of pitching in what four weeks yeah they were great yeah, yeah i mean so yeah just yeah keep it the way it is i think the bats will come along hopefully i mean you know let's just hope that as we're getting guys back and they're getting more comfortable to gameplay itself and not just bp uh that things will start to Move in the right direction because we all know it can. Uh, we saw it all, you know, early in the season, and there's no reason to think that these guys aren't going to be able to pull it together here at the end. Yeah, absolutely. And and I see Jan's or I'm, I'm sorry, Clint's question. Uh, our RPI is top eight, and I'm sorry, I missed that. Let me go back up. If we go four and zero this week, are we a top eight seed heading into Hoover? I I, I don't think so. Um, I think they would. Well, it's going to depend on what happens around them. Let's, let's put it that way. Let's let's be. A, a little bit more cautious with this. You got to figure that that Florida's in there at this point in time. Arkansas's in there. Uh, LSU. Anybody see what happened this weekend? LSU dropped two of three to Mississippi State. Blew like a nine-run lead yesterday against little old lonely old bottom of the barrel Mississippi State. Oh my God! They're falling apart at the seams. LSU, it's over. So it, it can happen. Like they dropped two of three this week to Mississippi State. You know, LSU is 17 and 9 in the league. South Carolina is 15 and 11. LSU is 39 and 12. South Carolina is 37 and 14. There are some metrics there that are pretty close to each other. So, if let your best case scenario, and I like the way that Clinton's thinking there, that's how the baseball program is going to think this week. Let's go win them all. We're at home this week. Tennessee's mm-hmm. not very good on the road. We're really good at home. Let's do it. If they do that, I don't personally think. That they're there. I think they'll probably have to go show in Hoover that they're not going to fall apart at the seams and that they could beat somebody over there. Might take them a win or two depending on what happens around them. But they are absolutely in the conversation if that happens because their RPI, in case anybody had noticed, has not moved. 
it's still right there at number three. Uh, because And we mentioned this two weeks ago. Do you all remember this conversation? I said, hey, look, there's really nothing bad left on the schedule that can really just devastate them from a loss standpoint. Now, you now RPI, like you have to have a good RPI. But they have done so much this year to earn that. Now it's just simply about winning games. That's it. You know, it's about winning games. So you forget all the metric stuff and literally just focus on the games. Just win the games. So um, I I think it's possible. I think it's possible. And 76 also mentioned, I got to mention this too, and then we'll go. Uh, the, the guys behind the plate this weekend were awful. And... And it's 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 deflating. Let's just call it what it is. It's deflating. And and some people are their 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 um you know, their philosophy in this is well, okay, you know what, if they can't be consistent, let's just turn our attention to robot umpires. Absolutely not. I mean, then then every every game's gonna be fifteen to fourteen. And that's just not freaking baseball. Okay. So you have two two options here. You either Widen the plate, which they're not going to do. Or you take the pressure off of these guys and having to be perfect with this ridiculous track man stuff that they're judging these guys on and basically deciding how they're going to earn postseason gigs and this, that, and the other. Because they don't know what to do. And and I do put some of the blame on the umpires because some of them just aren't really good. That's, you know, that's just how umpires are. But it's really on the league it is how they're being graded. These guys don't know what to do. They're lost. They're lost back there with calling balls and strikes. And it's 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 a joke. I mean, some games you can't get a corner. And then some games like the other day, I think Messina had a breaking ball called on him that if he was standing in the left-handed batter's box, would have hit his cleats. And, and I'm not sure what's going on, why. I don't know the answer. That's just speculative, everything I just said. But it's I'm sure it's pretty close. I don't know why they're insistent on this is how they need to judge it. And it's not just South Carolina. I watch SEC baseball. Every game I can watch, I watch. They're bad everywhere. So, obviously, it's a it's a league problem. So, whatever moron is in charge of this, they need to figure out a way to change this because it's, it's, it's getting to be a joke, and it's also a joke that coaches cannot come out and cross the chalk. I'm not sure what, what planet we're on now. And how soft we all have to be to not allow coaches to come out and talk to umpires on the field, but that has got to go away. It's a joke. We're protecting these guys, and as Whittle has said, and I know he's waiting, so we got to go. And he's right. Why on earth we can't hold them accountable after these series the way we can hold kids accountable and coaches accountable and ads accountable and the freaking maintenance crew accountable and everything else under the sun? I have no idea. But the league is screwing themselves, and and they're going to do nothing but continue to ruin the game of baseball. It's a four-letter word, but it's a lot bigger than that by the way that they're allowing these guys to call games. It's, it's a joke. I'm tired of it. That's not why Carolina lost this weekend. It has nothing to do with why they got beat. Arkansas is better. But it's happening all over the league, and people are tired of watching this. So, I don't know. Maybe they can figure out a way to fix it. All right, rant over. JC's dialogue is over. So is this segment. John Whittle is up next on Inside the Gamecocks, the show.
Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. The real estate market has changed dramatically from just a year ago. Rates, supply, demand, All of your traditional factors are in a transition phase. That's why if you or someone you know are considering making a move in the low country, contact me, JB, at Coast to Coast Realty. I work with an outstanding support cast of attorneys, lenders, inspectors, insurance agents, and more, all of whom are valuable in helping find a way for you to comfortably make your real estate decision. That's right. Call me, JB, your low country real estate broadcaster. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock-owned. Gamecock-operated. Traveling to cheer on the Gamecocks? Reserve your hotel stay with Fan Plans. Your booking supports inside the Gamecocks and the Big Spur, plus you still earn your hotel loyalty points. Visit fanplans.com slash inside the Gamecocks. What's up, Gamecock Nation? This is Jakar Moore from the DMV, and you are listening to the show. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. The first hour of the show is presented to you by Cindy Searfoss and the Coldwell Banker Came Realty Team here in the upstate. Give Cindy a call, 864-414-5271. She'll be happy to take care of all your upstate residential real estate needs. And as always, on Monday, about this time, we are joined on the McKellar Enterprises guest line by none other than the Big Spurs, John Whittle. John, overall, I would say successful weekend what say you mm, under normal circumstances probably um, <laughs> but you know you add, add in what's been going on here lately and really needed to figure out a way to come out with a, a, a series victory but you know play played a lot better I mean the level of baseball that South Carolina played uh, this past weekend against Arkansas was just night and day difference than, than what it was two weeks ago against Kentucky uh, I don't think I'm 
breaking any news when, when I say that. But, you know, the three games against Kentucky were not competitive. And Arkansas is a much better team than, than the Wildcats. And, you know, very competitive three games with, with the number three team in the country on the road. That's lost, I think, one series there in the last two years. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, John, first and foremost, let you say it since you reported it. Cole Messina is? <laughs> Hopefully fine this morning. Uh, had a little cramp yesterday, and, and that was it. Um, okay. Not a hamstring pull, nothing nothing really to worry about. Uh, get him a little pickle juice, get him, get him uh, some Gatorade or Pedialyte or, or, or whatever, whatever cures him, but he'll, he'll yeah. be fine. That would have been, that would have been the, you know, that's, that's the one you just, you would just shake your head and go, uh-uh. Yeah. Can't, can't do it. Um, I'm throwing up my hands, Jerry. Yeah. yeah. Throwing that, up would have, that would have been, that would have been that. Um, all right, so let's 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 go to the good because John, there is a we're going to r- wrap all this into one big bubble to talk about uh, what's next for South Carolina because they've got their home coming home, they've got some payback that's owed to Charlotte tomorrow night, and then they got Tennessee coming to town uh, Thursday series, um, and balls have not been very good on the road, with the exception of the Auburn series. South Carolina's been pretty darn good at home uh, throughout the year. Uh, clearly they've scuffled a little bit, but let's start this conversation with starting pitching. I'm not sure Eli was good on Friday and he's done it again on the road. Give me the ball and I'll go pitch. And he very bulldog like John, um, not exactly, you know, these guys in stature, but Reminded me a lot of Raw, Cisco, that type of performance. I'm gonna, I'm just gonna go out there and bulldog my way as long as I can stay in here. Um, we know what happened Saturday. Jack Mahoney got the ball. I didn't expect him to, but he got it and hits his best performance of his career, best start all season for a Carolina starting pitcher. And then Matthew Becker gave you a quality start yesterday. So I don't, I personally don't anticipate anything changing. Do you anticipate anything changing? Your assessment of the staff this past weekend and how that will translate this week, starting a day early? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't foresee any changes. Um, I mean, the the plan before Will's you know leg injury came came about was to pitch him out of the bullpen anyway. So, based on you know how things went this weekend, I don't. I don't see that changing. I mean, Eli. Eli was awesome. Um, Jack was awesome. Um, Matthew was really, really good too. Uh, I mean, you can't really ask for much more out of your pitching staff as a whole than, than what you got this weekend. So, uh, you know, Arkansas is not an offensive juggernaut, but they're not, they're not bad either. And, and South Carolina's pitching staff looked, looked back to form, um, you know, this past weekend. And, uh, I mean, I do give some of that credit to, uh, Cole Messina being back behind the plate as well. I mean, I don't think it's lost on, on most folks that, you know, South Carolina's pitching staff was really, really good. And then Cole Messina went to third base and they really, really struggled. And Cole's back behind the plate and they were really, really good. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I think he certainly deserves a, a little bit of credit for, for those things. Um, he just sets a different, different, different pace and, and just has a different level of, of uh, you know, rapport with, with those guys. But, um, you know, I, I think Eli was, uh, I, I really, really like Eli Jones 
not only for this year, but, but for next year. I mean, South Carolina loses a ton of pitchers after this season, loses a ton of innings, but you know, they've got a, a nice foundation coming back with, with him, uh, with Roman Kimball coming off of, of, of injury, uh, with Matthew Becker, um, you know, there's, there, are uh, some positives with that pitching staff, not only this year, but, but going forward. The early start this week, John, you, you think that'll translate okay for both Eli and Mahoney going on Thursday and Friday? I, I think so. Um, you know, I worry a little bit more about Eli just because he's been used so many different ways uh, this yeah. year, so many different appearances, you know, deep in games, now moving them up a day. Um, I worry a little bit more about him than Jack. You know, Jack's – I mean, Jack is coming off a major arm injury, uh, but he is – He's he's been in the rotation for for the whole year, but he he hasn't always gone deep in games. There's not a whole lot of lot of mileage on on that arm this year from a from a pitches from a pitches thrown standpoint. So, you know, at, at this point in the year, you just gotta gotta uh, just sack up and go more or less. And and I think that those guys will will be ready to do it. Do you think that they'll be fully healthy this weekend? As in, well, okay, hold on, that's a stretch. Do you think, from a health standpoint, all the guys that they have been missing, with the exception of Noah, will be available? I'm talking Sanders, McGillis, Wimmer back in the infield, that type of situation. No, um, I, I don't think that Sanders will will pitch this weekend based on, on what I know now. Um, okay. You know, there's still a few more days for, for that to change, I guess, but I, I think he'll probably go and – in the SEC tournament versus versus this weekend, but you know may, maybe maybe something changes and that surprises me. I, I was surprised to see Wimmer starting in, in the DH role this past weekend, but I do anticipate he'll be ready to play in, in the field on on uh, at least by Thursday. You know may, maybe not maybe not tomorrow against Charlotte, but at least by Thursday, um, Hall will be out again. Um, I, I think it's more likely than not that he doesn't pitch again this season. Um, but but everybody else, all, all the position players should should be good to go. And, and McGillis, M- McGillis can play. I just don't know that he's going to be ready to go out there and and you know play up to the level that he played prior to his injury. I mean, his he's just trying to regain strength in his his forearm. I mean, it's it's one thing to to uh, you know go out and and play the field and. And uh, you know, field a ground ball and toss it over from second to first. But it's another thing to try to, you know, get the bat through the zone on a ninety-five mile an hour fastball and impact it with enough force to, to you know, do some damage with it. So, um, you know, I I think that he'll. I I don't know that he's going to play a major role this coming weekend against Tennessee as he as he tries to to get back. And you know, he doesn't necessarily need to. Braswell, Lee Croy, and Wimmer. Uh, can I think can handle it, and you've got some options at, at DH as well. All right, you got something, JC, or do you want me to keep rolling here? I got plenty. Don't oh worry. yeah, yeah. I was just uh, <laughs> looking down the road because because he mentioned next year's pitching staff with with Eli, and uh, I tend to agree. Well, Eli had a really good, had a couple of really good starts on the road, uh, really good stuff. Um, but uh, Clint from the chat box asked, uh, "This is a guy that." We haven't talked about a whole lot because he's been hurt this year. Ricky Williams, the Clemson transfer, John, is he a, a starter or a bullpen back guy next year, in your opinion? Depends on what they get out of the transfer portal. That's right. <laughs> um, you know, there's, there's, gonna, 
there, there's certainly going to be some, some activity there, you know, when, when you lose so many, um, you know, big arms and so many innings off, off of a pitching staff like South Carolina is going to, you've got to bring in some, some guys to, to supplement. And I do think there are a couple of freshmen, but I do think that South Carolina has got something to sell in, in the transfer portal as well. And they can go in there and, and uh, you know, get a guy or two who might be able to come in and, and be a starter. But, you know, with, with Ricky, I, I think he can do both. I've always liked him a little bit more as a starter. Um, you know, I'm going to give him a, a little bit of the benefit of the doubt because, you know, I, I watched him for years and years, you know, coming into college and know what know the kind of caliber pitcher he is in, in a starting role and the fact that, that he's a strike thrower and he's added some more velocity. But his, his, his college numbers haven't looked that way. And I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and think that, you know, he's been pitching through some injury and, and, and uh, you know, maybe he'll be healthy and right by, by the time next season rolls around. And, and I think that he can be a starter. Um, you know, he's, he's had some success out of the bullpen in the past. So, I, I mean, I, I won't, I won't uh, uh, completely rule that out. But, you know, even if he's a midweek starter, I, I think that's probably the best role for him. Yeah, and right, by so, the way, that's not, that's not red barking. Just so you guys don't blame Red. He gets his feelings hurt. Yeah, might be uh, behind John. John sees something back there. I don't know. Yeah, what this John, I, I'm pretty sure it's John stuff, but that's okay. We love dogs here. Um, yeah, so so that that would that, that, that's that's a good deal there uh, about that. By the way, for those that don't know, Whittle made a good point there about he's watched Ricky Williams year to year to year. Let me just explain to you real quickly. Covering baseball recruiting is a labor of love. Because it happens during the summer, outdoors, in some high-temperature places. Uh, Whittle's been doing it for 16 years, and uh, I, I've always admired that. I mean, I, I, football was one thing because it's, you know, lots of the spring and fall. But uh, to cover baseball recruiting uh, like, like Whittle does is, is unbelievable. So that's that's what he's talking about when he's talking about he's seen him pitch for years because – he has so just a uh, little insight into the job there for well, the, I, i'm gonna give you a little curious. story real quick i'm not sure if i should tell this or not but i'm going to anyway um cool. i was uh the, the one of the first tournaments i ever went to was the firecracker classic down in conway south carolina um and and i was sitting at a game at, at coastal and uh south carolina's this was one of my first years doing it or, or my my very first year doing it one of my f- first tournaments and I got a, a I got a text with uh, another local sports writer in, in the same text message from uh, one of the assistant coaches at South Carolina saying such and such committed. And I was about 25 feet away from this assistant coach who was watching the same game I was. So I walked over to him and said, I'm out here sweating my you know what's off right now watching this and you're putting this guy who is on the same text message I am on this commitment and uh and and he's sitting at home in his air conditioning I'm out here doing the work you walk over and you tell me (laughs) and uh, and, uh, you know I, I've gotten those uh, 25 steps from 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 that point forward, I guess. So, you know, it's uh, it, I, I have enjoyed doing it over the years, uh, but there there have been some very hot days in the summer for sure. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, sitting out there for four and five games a day too. Sometimes, John. Yeah, it it ain't. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And uh, and let's just say that some of the tournaments have better food than others. <laughs> <laughs> and some of these tournaments, you know, you actually take care of fields. And yeah, yeah, it's um, right. I've, 
I've not lived your life, but that life and don't ever want it again, to be honest with you. I don't want um, your life. So John, let's not, um, let's not get too far ahead here. Uh, last week, I think people forgot that they played North Florida. It was a foregone conclusion. They'd win and they lost. Well, that, that, this game tomorrow night really matters a lot. So the way that I see this here, there are a few stages of, of what's left of Gamecock baseball in the 2023 season. Um, you could go as far as to play your way out of a regional host. They're, they're in with 15 wins in the SEC, John. I don't see any way they're not in the postseason, right? But at this point. But um, you could play your way all the way out of a regional host. Uh, you could keep yourself in that top 16. Or if it all really, truly goes right, you could maybe find your way back into the top eight. But they've got some work to do to get to that. So those three scenarios there, where do you see them standing today? And then what does or does not need to happen? I understand there's things around Carolina that need to happen as well, monitoring other programs in the league. But what could or couldn't happen to get them maybe a notch above, maybe back into a top eight or something like that if all goes well? I, I can get wordy, so I'll, I'll try to keep it as concise as possible. If it, if it were to end today, you know, South Carolina hosts a, hosts a regional um, makes the NCAA tournament host a regional, not a top eight. You know, they with they're, they're going to make the NCAA tournament regardless, like you said. To host a regional, I think they do have, have to win this weekend, the series, to feel good about where they stand, you know, going into the SEC tournament. You know, the SEC tournament can change some things based on based on how it goes. Um Usually for the usually for the better and not not as often the worse, but but South Carolina can can help themselves in the SEC tournament with a run to to be a top eight. You know, I think not only do you have to win the series, but you have to make a, a pretty deep run in the SEC tournament as well. And you know, that's not something that South Carolina is particularly good at. Um, but they're also going to need a little bit of help. I mean, I, I do think they've played their way. Uh, out so far out of the top eight that it's going to be really tough to get back into. Not impossible, but really tough to get back into. Florida, Arkansas, LSU, seemingly the three locks for a top eight at this point, right? Out of the SEC. I'm sorry, you said Arkansas, Florida, and LSU. Um, even yeah, even with the loss this weekend to Mississippi State. Yeah, I, I I think so. I I think that's I think that's today. close to happening. Yeah, yeah, today yeah. for sure. Today, I mean, obviously, this can all this can all change. I'll tell you, the team hey, that's South yeah. Carolina can still win the East, right? I mean, if they sweep like, the sweep in yeah. weekend, yeah. they win it, right? Like, Vandy Vandy plays Arkansas. Arkansas is really good. Vandy's lost three or four series. Um, Florida has to go to Kentucky. Kentucky plays yep. great at home. Florida's only been okay on the road. They've lost their last two series on the road, including a sweep. Uh, South Carolina hosts Tennessee, who's been awful uh, on on the road. Uh, they're two and eleven overall, two and ten in SEC play. Only one one uh, game away from home and in non conference play. That's that's kind of crazy. Uh, but mm-hmm. I, I'm not projecting that happens. But if you would ask me what what's more likely to happen, those three results or South Carolina beating Tennessee and Clemson to end the football season, I'd pick the baseball results. So, um, yeah, you know, South Carolina can still be the two seed in, in, in the SEC tournament. But, but no, it's, it's, uh, there, there's a lot happening in the league still that, that can really change some dynamics. So, for, for just so people know, for this to happen, 
They would have to sweep the balls. Florida would have to drop two at Kentucky. And Vanderbilt would also need to lose two this weekend because if Vandy only lost one and South Carolina swept and they ended. No, what? No, wait. Vandy's played one more game than the Gamecocks, right? Yeah, yeah all, so they need to lose sweeps. two. Yeah, it's they all. can end at a tie because Gamecocks don't, they're missing a game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Game. So, so they'll play, they'll have 29 games as opposed to 30. So there's, there's these half game Van, scenarios. Vandy would have to lose two because they would finish 18 and 12. Carolina would finish 18 and 11. And by virtue of the win percentage, they get it if Florida lost two this weekend at Kentucky. Because Florida and Kentucky, I mean, Florida and South Carolina would be tied, but the Gamecocks would get the bump because they swept them. So that's how they do it, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If, yeah, that's I, it. Yeah, actually, that is right. You don't have Andy to. Andy has to lose I, two. I thought it was sweeps. Yeah. No, Andy's got to lose two. Florida's got to lose two. Carolina's got to sweep, and they win. Yeah, there you go. There you yeah. go. So it's, it's even more possible than it's I thought. It's even easier. That's right. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and it's, as John just pointed out, Florida goes to Kentucky. That's not That's not a cakewalk. And uh, Vandy's, <laughs> Vandy's got Arkansas this weekend. So neither is that. And Tennessee's on the road. I mean, just saying – could realistically happen. All right, you ready for this one? Let's really get people's blood boiling, John. How is Clemson affecting all of this right now for South Carolina? <laughs> well, it's helping their RPI. <laughs> uh, Clemson's ascension is helping that way, uh, and it gives South Carolina another great mark on its NCAA tournament resume. I mean, if, if you want to look at it from a positive standpoint, you know, that's helpful. Uh, you know, South Carolina's got um, – you know, now is, is, I mean, Clemson is going to be projected a top eight national seed. Um, you know, when D one releases their <laughs> their uh, projections here on Wednesday, I'm fairly confident, which is mind blowing to me. But South Carolina has a series win there. They've got a series sweep over Florida. Um, you know, they've they've played good baseball against some of these teams. So um, that's that's the helpful part. But you know, it's 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 pretty incredible the the turnaround that that they've made. They've They've uh, won some games against some bad teams, but won some games against some really good teams. Uh, I mean, a lot of credit to them. Uh, it really happened, and, and I'm sure this is not the only reason, but from an outsider standpoint, certainly seems like they have, have made that jump um, coincidingly with Caden Grice moving into the weekend rotation. Uh, he's he's solidified the, their weekend rotation and has, has been uh, that's, that's helped him offensively too. I'm going to yell at the dogs, too. So go ahead and ask ask your question while I put myself on mute for a second. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm not sure. Uh, I think John did point this out, JC and uh, Phil, but um, South Carolina does have the second most quad one victories in the country. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, if they win, if they win one this weekend, that gives them 20 quad one victories. Anything more than that, of course, you know, they could be leading the nation with Q1s, which is really remarkable. And then you add that to the fact that I think the information I saw is that South Carolina has the most. John, am I right on this? Isn't this what you said in your column this morning? Carolina has played the most difficult schedule in the league, league games involved. Is that true? Yeah, and that that's from D1 baseball. Mark Etheridge is is great at that and he uh he goes through and 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 looks at the intra conference um strength of schedule and basically looks at the the win-loss record of of each team's opponents. Um 
and, and, and subtracts out what that team did against that particular opponent. So, you know, South Carolina's 3-0 and against Florida. That doesn't factor into that strength of schedule. Um, so, yeah, South Carolina, and I don't have the numbers right in front of me right this second, but is, is, is just above Alabama by, like, one win, I think, uh, among its, um, you know, conference opponents. Uh, Vanderbilt is is last. I, I think South Carolina's opponent win percentage was like five six four, something like that. And Vandy's is four four zero ish, right right in that range. Um, so there's there's a pretty sizable gap there when when comparing comparing records. And you know South Carolina's is, is tops, and you know Vandy's Vandy's at the bottom. All right, my final one, you know, I'll turn it over to you all from here, is kind of correlating with this offensive, if you want to call it a slump, because, I mean, it realistically is. It's fair. Uh, yeah, it, yeah it's, that's what it is. Ethan Petri hasn't been doing what he's been doing all year long. He's still hitting 377, which is just absolutely fantastic. He's going he's gonna to claim multiple awards and things like that in the offseason. Um, but um, – you know, when he's not hitting, John, it seems like, you know, that they're not scoring much. So what have you seen out of him? He, he looks like a lot of the balls that he's hammered foul in the last couple of weekends, those balls were leaving the yard prior to that. So so maybe his timing's just a little bit off. I'm not exactly sure. But what have you seen? Yeah, he's anxious. He, he's pressing. He's anxious. Um, you know, you think about what he was doing early in the season and and this is not just him. It's, it's a couple more guys, too. Dylan Brewers, uh, one that I can think of. Gavin Casas was going through through it for a while, but he's he's gotten better here here lately. But 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 Petri is 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 all pull side right now. And if you think back to the beginning of the year, so much was up the middle. So many of his home runs were to the backside. You know, we were joking kind of early in the season, first month or maybe early second month of the season. We were kind of joking that the uh, Andrew Weister alley is going to have to uh, be renamed to, 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 to Ethan Petrie's alley or something, right? They're referring to that right center field gap because, you know, Petrie was hitting so many home runs and, and doubles into uh, towards that South Carolina bullpen. And, you know, now teams are playing the big shift on him with the second baseman on the opposite side of the bag. And, and uh, you know, that's just not who this guy is. And it's not who he was when, when he was, uh, you know, being successful for the first 40 games of the season, uh, not a small sample size. I mean, he's he was really good for a really long time, but, you know, he's he's struggling a little bit now, and I, I thought he may be coming out of it a little bit. He had a couple of multi-hit games there, um, you know, going into the weekend and, and uh, to start started out against Arkansas, but, you know, he, the, the struggles are, are, are still kind of on. Maybe they can get him going tomorrow night. Do you think they'll go back to this whole – well, they, they're going to have to uh, run a guy an inning out there tomorrow night, Johnny Holstaff type deal, because they play on Thursday. I I hate that, but I guess that's what they'll have to do, John. They got they got to win the game tomorrow. They cannot get beat by Charlotte tomorrow night. Yeah, and I I I'm with you. I I kind of miss the days where you would have a midweek starter, and <laughs> you know you let them throw six innings and just not be available for the weekend or maybe for an inning or two on on Sunday, but. You know, now it's turned into we're going to throw a really good pitcher, but we want that really good pitcher available for multiple innings or multiple days or, or what have you on the weekend. And, you know, I, I think back to, you know, 10 years ago where you would have your midweek starter and then inevitably somebody on the weekend would either get hurt or 
would struggle and you would just promote your midweek starter and rock and roll. I mean, that's, I mean, happened with Sam Dyson, happened with uh, Joel Seddon, happened with, I mean, there there were a bunch of guys that it it happened with. And, um, you know, I think personally, that's the way I feel best benefits, not only a pitching staff and and a baseball team, but an individual player as well. I think it helps for the next year. Um, But I, with with the with where South Carolina is right now, right this second, I I get it because you know you're, you're down Will Sanders, you're down Noah Hall, you're down Eli Jerzenbeck. I mean, not that it's a huge deal, but you're down Trey Wheeler, who who made a few appearances and and might might have been ready to 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 help a little bit more down the stretch. Um, you're you're just down some guys, and and uh, you know you probably need all of those guys available versus stretching somebody out six right now. Well, it's going to be a busy week for you, John Whittle. Get some get some rest, my man. Uh, just like the Gamecocks, you only get two off days this week. So, if you want to call me, <laughs> I, I will. Uh, I will do everything I can. Now, now, um, uh, WWE Friday Night SmackDown is coming to the Colonial Life Arena on Friday night. So, who knows? We'll see, uh, so, what we'll, we'll see do? what happens there. May have to bring the phone up to the, up to the arena. Watch on TV. We'll see. We'll see. Or maybe just wander over to Founders Park. Maybe Roman Reigns will make an appearance over at Founders. Throw out the first wow. pitch. I'm sure people will be thrilled with that. Don't worry about the final series of the year and <laughs> top 16. Nah. Yeah. Got WWF. Hey, they, they can WWF. play with or without me. They won the Clemson <laughs> series without me earlier this year. So, Hey, Friday night at 7 o'clock, it's going to be a double-dip double, double dip TV time for folks, man, because you got the softball team in the regional down there in Tallahassee. So That's that's right. Um, uh, UCF, right? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, it, it, was, it was fun watching, watching them play a little bit this it was. past week. I, I probably watched more really softball cool. this past week than I have in my life combined. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's, it's an interesting team, and – um, you know, the, 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 I like the way that Bev has handled the pitching staff this year and, and what limited I've, I've watched over the course of the season and into the weekend. I, I think it, it makes a lot of sense. And, and, uh, you know, I, I think, think they've done a really nice job. Yeah. Hats off to those ladies. No doubt. Two seed. Yeah. <laughs> I texted Whittle this weekend, like after the championship game, and I was like, I'm upset that the softball team lost. What's wrong with yeah. me? Great. <laughs> I, I, was, I was like, yeah, it's a championship game. And I have a friend that's a Tennessee fan, and she loves all the Lady Vols sports and stuff. So I was hoping for some bragging rights there, but alas, it did not happen. So, well, you could have sent her the, uh, the the Sweet 16 men's tennis score uh, when South yeah. Carolina upset Tennessee. To you guys are rolling too, man. The Elite Eight. Yeah. Dude, I will send it. I will send it her way. <laughs> it's an all sports battle with, with with this particular friend of mine. So absolutely, you 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 take every win and celebrate it. <laughs> right. We got our own little Tennessee Carolina Cup going on, right? You know. Anyway, hopefully there will be lots of celebrating at Founders Park this week, and uh, fans, they need you. So get out there and pull them through. And, uh, that, if you can help doing that, then you'll get a good chance to see them in June at Founders Park as well, which is – John, this would be the first true regional host for South Carolina since 2017 – 2016. I know they hosted in 2021, but that was kind of by default, if that makes sense. So 
Yeah, they they uh, backed right? their way into that one a little bit. Hmm. Yeah, they they backed their yeah. way into that one a little bit. At the time that they had to uh, to to uh, decide on the sixteen hosts, South Carolina was deserving of it, but they yeah. decided on it before the end of the season. And at the end of the season, you know, South Carolina was obviously a two. So, you know, right. you, right. you you take it, and, and South Carolina was obviously a two based on the results of of that one, and uh, or maybe not even that. But you know, this this year. South Carolina can hit 40 wins in the regular season with two out of three this weekend and a win against Charlotte. And, you know, it's been, been a really good year regardless of, of, uh, you know, the struggles right now. No doubt. 40 wins in the regular season is very special when you play in this league. No doubt. Thanks, John. Get some sleep, brother. Absolutely. Y'all take care. Yeah. John Riddle, the big spur dot com. Got some great stuff right now on their, um, on the website. Uh, so, Phil, I say we just work our way towards the end and uh, we'll uh, hit a double break at the, the uh, end of the hour leading into the top of the hour. And then we'll yeah, be right yeah, we, That makes sense. Nice top nice of the hour sense. double. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Uh, back to football people and I guess the turn to tune late to the chat box on Logan Diggs. Uh, yes, he did visit LSU this weekend. Uh, that visit went very well for the home team. Um, I, you know, anything can happen in recruiting. There's no locks, but the trend is towards uh, the purple and gold of the Bayou Bengals uh, right now, which I don't think is a huge surprise. I mean, I, I think if you looked at it big picture, I was more surprised that South Carolina was a big factor than, than I was, than I would be with him ended up in LSU. But uh, I, uh, I, uh, you know, and who knows? Like I said, I don't, <laughs> these guys, I don't count them out. Nick Harbor on signing day was woke up and was going to Oregon <laughs> and mm-hmm. came to South Carolina. So, uh, we'll see now. Nick Harbor's also uh, a stronger, longer guy. I mean, the Carolina had been up there for him for like a year when that happened. So, you know, Diggs is sort of a new relationship. So I don't know. We'll see what happens with that. And, um, and then they'll go from there, go from there. So we'll see. Well, we'll, um, we will more than likely receive news this week, JC, as far as a commitment one way or another from Diggs. What about mm-hmm. the NC State kid? I haven't heard much on him other than he visited Colorado. Um, I, I hate to say it, I, I don't think it's a situation where. If you don't get digs, you automatically get him. Uh, I think he's really good. <laughs> I think they could use him, but I, I don't know that it's an automatic layup. That that's uh, that's the plan B. Uh, it, it is the plan. It's kind of plan one B, well one B rather than plan B, because um, they they brought him in before dig. But uh, we will see. I mean, he's a New Jersey kid. New Jersey kids uh, love South Carolina in a lot of ways, but they also you know, if he decides he wants to maybe because he was at NC State, wants to get to a different part of the country and go play for Prime, battle it out with Cavassier Smoke from Kentucky for the start running back job for the Buffaloes, uh, he could probably go there. So, so we'll see what happens. But um, Sharko, Sharko is what they call him. So, uh, yep. if they, if, and I do expect you're right, Jamie. I expect a Diggs decision relatively quickly. Um, I will say the longer it goes. 
uh, the the better I think the I think that means the Gamecocks are battling. Um, some LSU fans speculated if he didn't commit right on Sunday that he wasn't going to go there. Uh, I think that's fan speculation more than anything, though, and uh, and all that. And this is just based on conversations I had last night. I I, I wish I could tell you I had a conversation about this this morning, but I have not uh, yet. So who knows what the feedback's been, but um, the feeling inside the Gamecock program uh, as of last evening was kind of – it was a, it was more of a lean and gut feel uh, toward LSU, but um, – We'll see. We'll see what happens because uh, as of that gut feeling there, you know, and, and I think it was based on the fact there wasn't a lot of contact yesterday uh, with Diggs and the family. And that's usually not a good sign, but you know, who knows, who knows, maybe they're privately discussing things and et cetera, et cetera. So we'll see what happens. It's 1158, 1159. The end of the hour is here. We will hit a timeout when we return. Of course, plenty still in football and baseball to get to and uh, we'll continue to answer your chat box questions over the final hour of this wonderful Monday afternoon tonight of course is the South Carolina Athletics Hall of Fame ceremony as well so we'll get into a little bit of that uh, coming up here don't go anywhere inside the Gamecocks the show we'll be right back I don't know who you are I don't know what you want if you're looking for a karaoke partner, I can tell you, I can't carry a tune in a bucket. But what I do have is a very specific set of skills. Hang up now, and your IT nightmares will continue. But stay on the line, and I will find you. And when I find you, I will fix it. Um, thanks. Uh, I think I have the wrong number. I'm trying to call Matt at Heritage Digital. He has a one-price, low-cost turnkey solution for all my IT needs, and I'm sick and tired of my IT guy. So, yeah, 843-699-1001. This is 1002. Oh, well, thanks anyway. Don't be taken by some IT dude that talks a big game. Give Matt at Heritage Digital a call, 843-699-1001. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. <laughs> Hey, Gamecock fans, it's Evan Stowe from Gamecock Baseball. A couple of painters paint the show garnet and black every day and get the job done right at a fair cost. Go to LetMePaintSomething.com for information and an estimate. Go Cox. You heard Evan Stone, Gamecock fans, 10% off for military repeat customers or mention the show. Interior, exterior painting, fencing, cabinet staining, concrete painting, popcorn ceiling removal, and more. 803-522-6832. LetMePaintSomething.com. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. 
Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS 2229 LONMLS 1772182. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. The home of Oventon, Velotric, Magnum Bikes, and more, they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Their electric bikes are equipped with five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle so you can ride longer, handle the heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available for all ages and sizes. Visit electricbikescharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant if you're in the Lowcountry. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey everyone, this is Jack Mahoney from Gamecock Baseball, and inside the Gamecocks, the show is teed up every day by travelingcountryclub.com. So if you all love golf, make sure you guys go check out their awesome membership options, and go Cox. Welcome to TravelingCountryClub.com, your modern golf club experience. Hey folks, this is Michael Manis, former Gamecock golfer, inviting you to play more golf with a membership to TravelingCountryClub.com. With over 40 courses across the Carolinas, our membership provides you with an affordable way to enjoy a club-like golf experience. From the mountains to the coast, we offer golf courses that will challenge all types of golfers, no matter your handicap level or level of play. Plus, we offer unique membership benefits not seen anywhere else as part of Traveling Country Club. In July, we're excited to bring to you the third annual Plunder on Polly's two-day golf tournament with rounds played at Caledonia and True Blue Golf Courses in the heart of Polly's Island. Head to TravelingCountryClub.com to register for that event. And it is not exclusive to TCC members, but to become one, you can sign up and bring to life your golf game. Tee it up with Traveling Country Club, TravelingCountryClub.com, TravelingCountryClub.com, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. This is Zachary Davis from Carolina Hoops, and you're watching the show with JB, JC, and Phil. Go Cox. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. You know, guys, I was thinking uh, the baseball team has a perfect opportunity here, I think, at the end of uh, for this week to do exactly what the football team did last year. So last year, South Carolina could have let basically the Missouri and Florida games define their season, but then went out there the last two weeks and said no. These are the two games that are going to define this season. We've just gone through an 11-game stretch that you do not want the baseball team to say that is what defined this season because it very well could. It was that impactful the way these last 11 games have gone. But you can write that ship here with four last games. And the parallels between that and last year's football team, I think, are, are interesting. Just something I was thinking about, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, when you – when you look around too, like Vanderbilt has lost three of their last four series in the league. Mm-hmm. And one of those series, they were, um, they were swept by whoever it was Tennessee or whoever that was. So like, there's, I mean, it's a, one of you said it last week and, you know, it's not like it's, um, <laughs> it's not like it's breaking news or some new thing. Like this league just eats itself alive. I mean, it, it truly does. I mean, 
did anybody think that Florida would be 18 and nine and leading the East one of only or the only team in the SEC with 40 or more wins at this point in time after South Carolina swept them right out of Founders Park? Right. You know, so I mean, like it, it, it happens like I mean, it's fans, uh, you know, it's very easy for them us anybody all all included here to only focus on the team that you either pull for cover or I guess in our case both (laughs) Uh, but you know you got to expand it a little bit and look look out there like I mentioned Vanderbilt you know they're 35 and 16 and 17 and 10 in the league just kind of an FYI here six of those 17 wins sweeps over Ole Miss and Mississippi State now I know Mississippi State woke up and took two against LSU this weekend in, in unbelievable fashion by coming back yesterday down like seven or eight runs or whatever it was. But it's still the point that six of their wins came against teams who have a combined 14 wins in the league. Like, that's mm-hmm. not very good. You know, South Carolina against the top two teams in the East, named Florida and Vanderbilt, are four and two. Um, you know, in the West, they beat Arkansas once. LSU is right behind them. They're two and four against the I'm, I'm sorry two and three against the uh, top two teams in the west so like you know they're that's six wins against the best two best four teams in the league based on record like that's saying something that's saying something you know and and so there my point is like you could probably come up with 100 examples good bad and different for every team in this league as to how they've done versus other teams, good ones, the bad ones, whatever it is. But it all reverts right back to there's a ton of data points to make whatever argument you want to make. But everybody in this league at some point in time is going to get eaten up by somebody else. It's just going to happen. And and it's it um, it happened against LSU this or for LSU this weekend. And then in particular for South Carolina, it happened last weekend at Kentucky where you just had a kind of an uneasy feeling going in anyways with all the issues they had, had they been at full strength, I would have still had an uneasy feeling about that series because they never play well up there. They did two years ago, but Kentucky was terrible. So, I mean, now you're home. You feel like you've settled the dust a little bit on the pitching rotation. I'm, I'm pretty sure the locker room feels pretty good about Eli Jones going out there on Thursday night as their, as their top guy. And you, you can – back to what you started this conversation on, Phil, you can just focus on the fact that if we take care of business this week, we, we, we're we going to host a regional, which is step one. We go maybe win a game or two in Hoover. We might be a top eight and in line to host no matter what in the first two rounds. But if you get a regional host, you never know what can happen. So you might be at home for the first couple of rounds anyways. So you still leave so much on the table by taking care of business and kind of everything seemingly maybe wrapping up back together this weekend with a solid rotation and a bunch of healthy players. Yeah, for sure. But then you got everything in front of you still. So that's the good thing is that, you know, it didn't, nothing's completely screwed here. (laughs) No. no. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all is not lost. And uh, I think even before the series this past weekend, um, you're just kind of looking for the team to get back to normal, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, their pitching was getting shelled and they couldn't score. And I mean, look, that, that, that's a bad time to go into a hitting slump right now. But 
maybe they come out on the other side of it just fine. I mean, look, I'll say this too. Again, it's not like two years ago where, I mean, the hitting was just bad. I mean, if Wesley Clark didn't hit one over a dinger, you know, or, or, or uh, Seitler didn't get a hold of one, I mean, that lineup was just not potent at all. Uh, you still have um, – some guys, uh, Will Tippett. How about another home run for for Mister Tippett? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We didn't even talk about that. I, I mean, Slugger you know, so, so that, that <laughs> so just like all year, different guys are stepping up. But you know, like 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 Jamie pointed out earlier, you know, Casas, you know, hits a it's first and third, nobody out. Casas hits a laser, it goes right in the guy's glove. I mean, yeah. almost knocked him down. <laughs> I was like, you know, uh, there was a tra- catch yesterday at the warning track up over the. I mean, that ball was gone, and the the center fielder, Josenberger, I think is his name. That's a heck of a last name. Yeah, I think his name's like Damian Josenberger. That's a baseball name. Um, <laughs> Good center fielder too. He he goes up, skies like Michael Jordan, and catches it. You know, I mean it. Uh, it it it's not like there's not opportunities. They're just not catching in. I'll go back to the North Florida game. Bases loaded twice in the later innings. Couldn't push one across. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and statistically in this game, the more you put yourself in good positions and, and they're doing that, eventually it's going to come around. You're going to get that key hit um, and all that, just like they did in, the, in their one big inning um, on Saturday, you know, where they, they put push, push the three across. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, I would rather at this point have the pitching coming back to life than – you know, being overly concerned about scoring runs. Uh, mm-hmm. I know it's frustrating for everybody, but, uh, you know, you go out there and you can't keep them from – like Kentucky, every time the Gamecocks will put something together, they'd answer. You keep another team from answering, you know, at this stage, especially when you get into postseason play, that's a lot more valuable than, you know, scoring, you know, eight to ten runs. You, you want both, obviously. But uh, if you ask me what needed to get kind of fixed and back on track first, it's definitely pitching. Because you, know, you don't have pitching, you're not going very far in the postseason. Yeah, no doubt. Well, I mean, p- pitching pitching let them down in Lexington. Pitching let them down uh, against against Auburn. You know, I mean that that's that's just what it was. I mean, you you should be able to score, you know, five to seven runs consistently and win your shared games. And, and pitching that was what was deflating during all of this was look, offense is going to have its issues. That's baseball. I mean, it's 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 going to come. It's going to go. Um, you know, this team's mo is uh, like this year. For instance, they've been much better with guys on base and runners in scoring position than they have in the past. But this team's mo is like they're going to strike out. Like anybody that's still complaining about strikeouts, get over it. I mean, it's just going to happen. But they're also going to walk a lot, and they're also going to take a lot of HBPs and things like that, and they're going to hit a lot of home runs. Um. But the pitching was the thing that you thought, well, and, and in, in, in the whole entire history of the sport of baseball, like dating back to the first time that you ever played the game of baseball, anybody in the 1800s, it's pitching that needs to stay consistent to get you through the hard times. It's, it's not easy, especially in the best league in the country, to just run out there and plug 10, 12 runs a game on the board at night. Like you can't do that every night. So you got to be able to pitch. I mean, why has Kevin O'Sullivan long been so good at Florida? Why has Vanderbilt done what they've done over the years? Why did South Carolina win two national championships? Anybody remember the team in 2011? They honestly really couldn't hit a lick. If you go back and look at it, 
I mean, but n- nobody really could because the bats weren't worth a damn back then. So, but they could pitch, right? They could pitch. They could pitch. They could pitch. They could pitch. What did John just say a minute ago about Clemson? Caden Grice moving into the weekend rotation. That got him going. And and so I, th- I feel like coming out of this past weekend, like there is, it's kind of a little bit back towards the middle of the season or the beginning of the season when they, remember when we came into the year, do you remember what the starting rotation was? It was Will Sanders, Noah Hall, and Jack Mahoney. Right? Yeah. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Right now, it's Eli Jones, Jack Mahoney, and Matthew Becker. That ain't close to what the starting rotation was. <laughs> so, they, they, they've they had to get some things worked out, and hopefully it's all coming together at the right time in the final week here after a couple of weeks uh, kind of getting banged up. And, and by, by the way, they didn't get swept this weekend. It's It's not an excuse. We've said this every week for how long, J.C.? Don't get swept on the road. Yep. Don't get swept on the road. Had they not getting, gotten swept at Kentucky, they'd be sitting there at 16 and 10 and probably literally only a win away from securing a, a top eight national seed. But that sweep on the road has really, really hurt them. Yeah, that's yeah. why I thought it was so impactful these past two weeks or three weeks, rather, because it was like you're literally like one win away from really having everything you want, you know, as opposed to having to fight for everything you want. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, they, they win these four games this week. Look, they're 41 and 14 and uh, 18 and 11 in the SEC. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, the broadcasters there the week kept talking about Dave Van Horn uh, was quoted and, and said, the league is insane. I'm losing my hair. <laughs> Uh, that's that's Dave Van Horn, you know. I mean, yeah. he, this league is insane, and I'm losing my hair. So, uh, right. you know, that's uh, that's kind of yeah. how it is, and uh, and all that. So it's it's just tough life. Life, you know, it's it's the toughest football conference, no matter what. Uh, there's some years it's the toughest basketball conference uh, in men's, and then and usually in women's historically it is. Uh, but, but the baseball is just an absolute bloodbath because all the program, everybody cares. You know, uh, and everybody cares about football in the league, too. But, you know, there's great football and ba- basketball programs uh, around the country that they don't, you know, they don't, you know, like Michigan, for example, when Backage was there, pretty good run. For, I mean, amazing, really, for Michigan. And the reason that's so amazing or, you know, the job that was done at Notre Dame is so amazing is those cold weather schools. They don't put it. I mean, you look at their stadiums, it's, you know. Yeah. So, uh in the SEC, though, boy, everybody everybody cares about baseball, you know. So you, you got uh, and Vanderbilt uh, puts a bunch of resources in, into that particular sport. So uh, it is tough, and uh, you know that. But hey, that's why you come to South Carolina for situations like this. Yeah, man. That's why that's why you come here. You know, what it's all about is for situations like this. Well, so, I, and, um, and, and anyway. Clint made Clint made a point here too, and and he's and he's right about this, and and this is certainly something that they have got to get figured out. Yeah, they're going to strike out. We know that. Like, it's going to happen. They're going to average nine or ten strikeouts a game. That's just what this what, what this offense does. But but the, the call third strikes, like, you're going to get hosed on a couple here and there. Like, that's going to happen. Um, you can't control it, especially as bad as umpiring has been, and it's all over the place. It's happening to everybody. But, but that's even more of a reason, too. Like, when you know that somebody's inconsistent back there, you got to protect. And when you got two strikes, like yeah, you might not be able to, you might not be able to take that big power swing that you might 
really want to take. Um, you might not really be able to just dive in on the scouting report. You might have to choke up a little bit and, and protect and at least try to do something. You got a runner on second, you got nobody out, and, and you just need to hit one to right field in the air to get him over to third or something like that type of stuff. You're absolutely, Clint, you're dead on with that. And, and I agree. They, they got to, that, you've got to turn, you have to be able to turn yourself around and at least create a quality at bat or give yourself a chance instead of giving yourself up uh, in, in ABs. So, Dead on, and, and I'm glad you made that point because uh, that that was um, very poorly stated on my part earlier w- with the strikeout comment. Like, there are times where, yeah, you can't just stand there and look at call third strikes, especially when you got runners on base and you got umpires back there that don't know what the hell the strike zone is anymore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's baffling. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're definitely right about the strike zone, and it's know, awful. I, I don't know. I don't know what this track master, what, what's it called? Butt master. What is master. <laughs> well, and look, and look, man, like, like people know. are thinking about this all wrong. Like this is where they're thinking about it wrong again. Okay. Well, because these guys aren't any good, we just need to go to the computers. Well, you're, I'm telling you right now, you will regret that decision. Say what you will. You tell me I'm wrong. Or you want to, I'm not. You will regret that decision. I promise you. You don't ever want to have computers running this game. You don't want to have no. it. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. What you need to have is you go. You can use TrackMan to train, but you do not use TrackMan to reward, or you don't use Track none of that stuff. Like it's it. You have to figure out a way to implement a training system through the technology that doesn't necessarily use the technology to enforce balls and strikes because these guys don't know what they're doing. Like they are lost. And it's not about the fact that like, if you've never umpired or done it at a high level or been at a decently high level, like you, you don't understand it. And I get like, that's not a docking, but it's just, it just is what it is. Like if that is how you're trained, if that's how you're trained. Okay. And you start getting, you're going to miss a call here and there. It's going to happen. Okay. And you're, you're seeing different arm angles. You want to hit top of zone, bottom of zone, this, that, the other. Mentally, you will screw yourself up in a hurry. It will happen. And these guys, they'll, they'll, they'll all of a sudden, you'll see one out of left field and you're going, what? we saw it this weekend. What? What's going on out there? They get so mentally bogged down in, in, in what they're focusing on instead of just pitch to pitch. It's not fair to the umpires. They got to fix the training system and they're never going to get rid of track man. So they got to find a way to integrate it in a different way than what they're doing now. And they got to get rid of this moronic rule that these coaches can't cross the field and come out here and talk to these umpires because this, it, it's gotten so soft. It's sad. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's not even yeah, where you can say, well, at least he's consistent because it's like, there's no consistency, like zero. <laughs> it's all over yeah. the place. It's like right. a, a random, you know, strike zone, which is not, not helping anybody. And again, let's not forget there is zero accountability for these guys yeah. after, you know, post game. Yeah. Nobody has to stand in front and, and of the journalists and, yeah. and say shit. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it's aggravating. Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's like immunity, you know. So it's like yeah. diplomatic and, immunity. And, like if you're yeah, a, and, gig, if you, you can get kill it, somebody. Right? 
and I love <laughs> I love my man Cam here, but but technology does not always get these calls correct. They they miss a dozen a weekend or more. You know, you see these out and safe calls at second. How many of them are blatantly obvious and they don't come out and overturn it, or they come out and confirm something, or they can't get it right on the on the balls hit down the foul lines? Like there there isn't there isn't enough that like. There, there would be a major, major investment, number one, that would need to be made. And before we do that, let's start up in scholarships in the game of baseball, okay, and adding fourth coaches and stuff. Like, if we really – this isn't directed at you, Cam. I'm, I'm not I'm not directing this at you in any way, shape, or form. But, like, like those that are just gung-ho, like, on, like, technology, like, well, we need the, we need the umpire. We just need to go to robots because these guys aren't any good. By the way, they've always kind of been bad. We just have – we can see it all now. It's all on TV before we just had to listen to it. Uh, they have little zones and all this crap that we can tell. Um, but before they go to any of that, thinking they're going to improve the game, you want to improve the game? I could, I could help you do that. Give out full scholarships so guys aren't signing pro deals out of high school because they need the money. I don't know. Pay a fourth assistant coach. That'll improve the game. But improving the game with robots? Nah. Not going to do it. Not going to work. So... Anyways. Robots in disguise. Transformers. <laughs> yeah. I would yeah, I wouldn't like that either, JB. Because that, that's part and, of and baseball. RLE, that's not true. If you want to baseball, you don't have to take anything from football. That's it's not even remotely close to true. Like I love you too. And but it th- that is such a falsehood. It's insane. That is not true. Uh th- th- there's nothing to that. You're not taking anything from football. Uh, let me throw a, a flip question out there. How does Florida have a hundred analysts on their football staff, but yet they only have eleven point seven scholarships, twenty seven guys? How is that even possible? Hmm. Answer not, anybody? No, exactly. Ridiculous. Like there is so much money. They're about to bring in a hundred and something million dollars a year from the league office with TV contracts, and they can't provide scholarships for baseball and softball players. Come on, man. I mean, come on. What, what, world, how, what world are we in here? Yeah, I mean, how many players are on scholarship for a football team? <laughs> 185. Yeah. 85, you're not taking anything yeah, from 85. anything. Like, yeah. you're not taking one thing from anything. How about you just bring the percentage of uh, scholarship baseball athletes or help scholarship athletes, period, throughout all sports to the yeah. same level of that of football? Right. There's right. no title to do nine. That. It is title nine, and yeah, that's where you're right. It it affects college hockey too. It does. It's it's title Uh, nine, but it wouldn't mean that you'd have to take anything from football if you fix this mess. It's a mess. No, yeah, it's like yeah, you. But there's a reason you can't be equitable. (laughs) Uh, There's a loaded word these days, but no, it's. uh, In other words, you'd need a girls. The problem is football. The problem is nobody wants to use any freaking common sense when it comes to this there's no female equivalent sport to football there's uh, there's no women's sport that uses 85 scholarships it just does not happen right. uh and so you're trying to hit a percentage ish there where you know it, it is you know women's basketball teams get 15 scholarships men's get 13 okay mm-hmm. women's soccer teams get you know you kind of kind of load up on women's scholarships on that end of it there's a reason you have beach volleyball and equestrian in South Carolina um, and you don't have wrestling or 
you know, uh, it, it's rare for an SEC program to have men's soccer. Uh, Carolina's one of two, <clears throat> along with Kentucky. Um, so, yeah. you, you know, it's just one of those things where until until they admit reality, which the people making these decisions on Title IX and things of that nature do not exist in reality like we do, most of them, the vast majority of them are high-minded academic people that really, uh, honestly, um, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to say that they haven't worked a day in their lives, but uh, I, I don't. I, I just think that they're kind of most of these decision makers are in a bubble. Yeah. Uh, what you do is you just football just should be independent because number one, you do spend more on football than anything else, but number two, football brings in more money than anybody else. Right. You know. So if right. you want to talk about equity. <laughs> who brings in the most money? I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it's it's not fair for them not to get everything they want because they're the they're the fun generator. You know, there wouldn't be a beach volleyball team if it were not for the football program, right? There wouldn't be a, a you know, you, you just uh, people have to understand that. So so until they say it is what it is, football just does not count because it's its own thing. It's basically a fundraiser for the fundraising entity for the university or whatever. Take that out of the mix and then, you know, you align your scholarships accordingly. But if you're going to continue to hold football over the heads of title, uh, the, the, the schools that need to reach Title IX compliance, uh, you know, nothing's ever going to really work out and sports like baseball are going to suffer. And that's unfortunate. I do think it's kind of beyond that, though, guys. I, I, there's some rules about the college game, baseball that, that are just uh, – it's almost like they are trying to kill the sport. You know, it's almost like they, they don't like it, whatever. There's, there, there's, all, there's other rules outside of the scholarship situation. But, you know, that's what Carolina Rise is for. And we've, uh, we've supplemented some scholarships this year for sure. And uh, uh, we're going to kind of uh, do even more uh, next season. But uh, it's, uh, it, it is unfortunate that – common sense does not prevail when it comes to that title line discussion uh, with football specifically. Cause I mean, yeah, you know, if there was a women's sport that had the equivalent scholarships, schools would gladly go field a women's sport with 85 scholarships. Right. Hmm. I mean, they gladly do it because it's a headache, you know, but um, yeah, it, it is what it is. Well, and that's, that's where, that's where I get, you know, really frustrated with a lot of this, um, not not with the NIL itself, but like the people that just, you know, when they say these things, and I'm not talking about anybody specifically, and certainly not anybody as part of our conversation, but, but you know, they say these things, well, just pay the players. Well, what players? Well, pay, play the, the, the football players, basketball players. They make all the money. Oh, so give them full scholarships and then pay them a salary, but baseball and softball they have to basically walk on in order to play huh okay yeah that make let's see women's basketball gets 15 full scholarships and they lose six and a half million dollars a year but yet they have the highest attendance in the nation Hmm, makes sense you know so like it it doesn't make none of this makes any sense and all of these rules were put in place before what, guys? TV contracts. Yep. Okay? All of them. So, you know, and not not all, not everything is created equally. It's just not. Everybody like, 
like hope and hope in one hand and you know what in the other and, and think that that's what's going to happen, but everything is not created equally. So if the power five can afford to provide full scholarships for every athlete in their school, then they need to do it. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, who cares if the freaking SOCON can't or the a son, I don't give a damn. If you can do it, then that means that there are more athletes that will receive full scholarships. I mean, one, I, I, I just don't. Yeah, why is that a bad thing? Right? Like, what, what, <laughs> what, 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 why, are, why are we? What are we missing on this? Well, Conference USA can't afford to. Well, I don't give a crap. Sorry, we can. So we're going to give our softball players and our baseball players a full scholarship. The uh, Conference USA football teams don't generate billions of dollars a year for TV. We do. So we'd like to give that to our athletes in other sports, or I don't know, pay a fourth assistant coach in baseball instead of Scott Wingo having to work freaking camps in the summer just so he can pay his bills. It's a joke. Like, that's ridiculous. And outside of the privatized institutions, JB, on the smaller conferences, the cost of going there is less, typically. Than it right. is to major division ones. So it just, it's, it's so stupid. There's no, yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, rational just, thought is not often. Well, it's just not, you know, and, and things and, like that. And like, to and it, maybe it's time to re-examine. you know, like Tarelli's point here, like it's a shame. And he's right. Like, it, you know, but you know, said I'm going straight to the Supreme court after the show today. Like, it's a shame that like, you even have to say things like that. Like, we need to take this to the Supreme Court. Like the one, th- I don't agree with Jay Billis with a lot of stuff, and he always says this with with how I don't agree with it. Like there's just not enough money. Pay the players. Pay the players. You mean to tell me there's just not enough money to put kids on scholarship? Come on, man. I mean, come on. But you know, here. But college baseball, and we got to go. I know we're past due. And feels like wink, wink. Hey, dude. But college baseball. In college softball, while they have two of the coolest tournaments in sports, period, and they have two of the greatest platforms for a championship um, in Oklahoma City and in, of course, Omaha for baseball, like those are some of the neatest events in the country when it comes to sports. Like they don't, they're not the driving force behind these conversations because it's not March Madness and it's not the college football playoff and all these big time bowl games and the amount of money that they bring in, right? So they don't they don't even enter the chat box with some of these with some of these national people that want to talk about this stuff. Like college baseball doesn't mean anything to Jay Billis. He'll bitch and moan about college basketball all day long and tell everybody how much he knows. But college baseball to him is a non starter because it doesn't bring in enough money, but they don't turn around and talk about how much money everybody has. So like there is no real voice. All of these college baseball coaches have to basically text each other round and round and round and try to figure out who can say what and where and in what room and how can we get that public. And it's there. there's just not enough representation and not enough care and concern. And then they always hide behind these other conversations, Title IX and Supreme Court decisions and this and the other, and it shouldn't be that way. Like, it just shouldn't. So, I don't know. Maybe it'll take one AD one day. Maybe it'll take somebody like Ray Tanner or something like that stepping up and saying, well, we found a loophole and uh, all of our softball and baseball players here because y'all won't legally cover their scholarships. We're going to do it. We're going to cover the rest of it, and here's how we're going to do it. Uh, we're giving them $13,000 a year book money. <laughs> 
<laughs> they'll turn around and pay off their their debts that way or whatever it is. So, anyways, we'll get off that. Sorry that I rambled on and on. That was my JC moment of the week, and I'll zip it from here on out. We are painted garnet and black by a couple of painters. Let me paint something.com. If you're in Georgia or in South Carolina, you can paint your home garnet and black or really any color that you choose except for purple and orange. Let me paint something.com owned by the wonderful still family and congratulations to them because yesterday, uh, the first mother's day as a mom, pretty cool stuff. A couple of painters painting our show garnet and black and we'll be right back. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Cool Joe here, and when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm, and the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning, it'll melt in your mouth, it's good on a cracker, it's good in a bowl, it's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget, Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well, and they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online, nanasporch.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O, signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama. Columbia and go hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. You know what, Phil? Let's ask Stone Blanton. Hey, JC and Phil, if you want a solution to your IT problems, give Heritage Digital a call. Our boy Matt Odom has a low-cost, one-price solution that will get you running right. Call 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com and ask for Matt. He will hook you up today and tell them Stone sent you. This is Coleman from the Yardcocks. Electric bikes at Charleston Powers inside the Gamecocks, the show. Be sure to check them out online or in Mount Pleasant. Go Gamecocks. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Second hour of the show here. I don't know what I was just looking at here, somebody. Twitter's an interesting place, you know, like... <laughs> Speaking of... <laughs> There's no. all, all sorts of crazy stuff going Speaking on. Speaking of not reality. That's, yeah, uh, right, yeah. <laughs> that's, uh, I remember before, like, working in, like, with message boards from... 04 to 09. I think those of us that did that kind of got immune 
to Twitter and, and some of the and it's like you let everybody in the country onto a message board. Mm-hmm. It's true, and it's like wow, <laughs> you know. Uh, and so I, I don't know. I like what Elon Musk is is doing with the company, though, as far as some of the ideas he has for uh, content providers and, and stuff coming up uh, as it becomes X dot com. <laughs> uh, if you've read anything about that, it's uh, just for, for folks in our business, it's exciting. So um, say what you want. Not, I'm not getting political about Twitter. I, I think I think there's a certain group of a certain political persuasion that felt like Twitter was theirs. <laughs> and, uh, and they're sad about it now, you know, and uh, and whatever. And but, uh, you know, then there's uh, the fact that most of it's absolute garbage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so shift through the garbage and, and all that. But uh, do you ever um, an interesting place? Do, do y'all ever like it could be? I mean, I'm just using South Carolina as the example because that's the what we cover. But do you ever go look at like the basketball, baseball, or football pages like when another team scores? Yes. Oh, it's so funny. These idiots, like, they get on there and they, they, I don't even know who any, you know, they, like, do these people really exist? Like, they tweet at the Twitter account for Gamecock football or baseball or whatever, g- giving them advice. And, like, there's this one, it's like, uh, I can't remember what it is, like Gamecock country or something. And you click, all he ever does is just, like, bash anything and everything that ever happens. And then celebrate everything, like, you know, a little kid in a candy store. And then you go, like, click on his little handle or whatever it is, his description. Best coverage of Gamecock athletics on the internet. (laughs) I'm like, oh, is that what you do? You cover the Gamecocks for who? For For Twitter. For Twitter outlet. (laughs) Your coverage is just tweeting at Gamecock baseball and – and just telling everybody how much they right. suck all the time. That's it, huh? That's, that's great coverage. Do you know what man. coverage is? <laughs> Do you know what coverage is? Uh, all right. So, Nana Sports Chat Box has been waiting to get to this. Clint asked a football recruiting question about Virginia wide receiver Kalen Adams. Yeah, he visited. Had a really good visit. South Carolina shot into his top five. Uh, Dante Reno's helping him. Uh, he's a 2024 receiver from Green Run High School in Virginia Beach. That's in the 757. That's absolutely a place South Carolina needs to start getting players from. Uh, those kids, they're kind of like kids from Miami in the sense that they all love football. Yeah, football's huge uh, in that area. So they play with a lot of passion. Virginia Tech basically built their program into what it was by recruiting that area, uh, which is funny because you have to go straight through Charlottesville from the 757 to get to Blacksburg. But uh, they somehow did it. Um, this kid is, uh, there's not a verified 40 time on him. And I read Brian Doan's scouting report and I share the same, it's not a concern, but I just don't know how fast he really, I don't, I don't know that he, because he does so much that looks effortless. I don't know about his top end speed, but I don't really care because, uh, he, he makes great catches. He has great hands. He's explosive enough. He runs great routes. I mean, this guy, uh, there's a reason he's a top 200 prospect. And uh, his final five, Gamecocks, Alabama, Virginia Tech, Pitt, and Ohio State. Hmm. So we'll see We'll see what the Ohio State and Alabama, uh, where he is on their take board um, 
Ohio State obviously is, those two schools have been really good at receiver. Uh, Alabama's got some unproven guys now, but they went on the run where it was like, wow, look at all these guys. Uh, and so we'll see what happens there. Uh, I feel really good about where the Gamecocks are at. I just need to, I need to learn a little bit about the other schools situation uh, before I say, oh, looks like they're going to get him. He had 41 catches for 1,030 yards and 10 touchdowns last year as a junior. So uh, in a, in a area of Virginia, that's very competitive athletically in terms of high school football. So, there's that. With that, Quantrill asks, what's the latest with Montague Rames? Is it Juco for a year and then back on the team? I, it's, I think it's looking like maybe Juco for a year, but I, I mean, is it, him coming back is, is maybe a different – I mean, I don't, I don't know enough about how he feels about the entire situation. Uh, you know, sometimes kids get in trouble like that and they just feel like it's best to move on to someplace else, uh, you know, right or wrong. But uh, – you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But uh, I do think Ju- Juco is a, a, is a possibility just because when you look at this case, they're not planning on – I mean, it's moving at a snail's pace. So there, there's not going to be a resolution most likely in time for the season. Um, and then you have the university's side of it, the discipline side of it to deal with. So not sure what, um, what happens there. So anyway, I've caught up a little bit on my uh, Nana's Porch uh, deal. Uh, Gamecocks offered a 2024 running back from uh, Mike, Matthew Fuller. Several offers to running backs to cycle. Yeah, Peyton Lewis is still up there. Uh, Daniel Hill is still up there. Anthony Carey from Tampa. This guy, you know, they need to sign two or three, I think, in this class. Um, just just to kind of start replenishing that depth uh, at the running back position. And they're in on some good ones. So we'll see, uh, see what uh, the deal is. JC, I, I th- we we have um, we've had we've had this conversation in the past, but it's probably worthy of another visit because we're getting closer to summer, where you're beginning to see some of the OB lists come out and a lot of these uh, officials being scheduled and things like that camps, um, and of course there have been updates in the rankings. So I'll kind of ask the same question that that I've asked before. It's a little bit of a rhetorical question because I, of course, have my own information on this too. But I, I just don't think I remember a time uh, in South Carolina football's history where, and again, this is a brief history for this conversation because we haven't had recruiting websites and things like that for decades or anything. But but where so many high-quality prospects a lot of them the best in the country, as ranked by multiple websites out there, have not only been uh, mentioned for visits and things of that nature, South Carolina, but when you have the conversation, and I, of course, lean on you for all this information, you have the conversation very openly as in like, yeah, they've got a chance. Um, and I and, and it seems, I'd say, I'd call this, Maybe seven out of every ten of these conversations, it seems like South Carolina is right in the thick of it. And as we all know, if you win a quarter of those, which in this case would be two two of them or less than two, you're you're stacking up pretty pretty damn good recruiting class, right? So, um, it it I just I'm trying to figure out I'm trying to figure out how this is all happening. <laughs> and and let me let me let me let me finish with this. I know what happened at the end of last year. I know that they've signed elite recruiters. I know that the facilities have gotten better. 
but it just seems like there's something else that is tying all of this in to where every top prospect that South Carolina seems to be legitimately targeting, they're right in the game for it. Well, it's the it's the coaching staff. The head coach is uh, has a lot to do with it. I mean, we, we've seen sort of both sides of it here where – uh, with the last two staffs, where the you know the head coach, I, I, I you know I don't want to say he wasn't interested in recruiting because he was, but but Steve Spurrier sort of has his routine, and this whole and he even mentioned it when, when he when he when he left. He's like, I'm just not the guy that's going to recruit 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yeah, he's just it's just not for me, and it's not. He's like he's not. Uh, you know, and he's like, we've made some mistakes in recruiting around here, blah, 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 blah. And, and so he kind of did put the focus on that a little bit while at the same time defending Junior, his recruiting coordinator, uh, but that's okay. Uh, so you had that. And Lou Holtz was sort of a, an absentee parent when he was coaching here. Uh, he'd go in and they'd give him the, give Lou the note cards and hopefully he remembers their name. And he says, I just want to tell you this right now. If you come to the University of South Carolina, you're going to have every chance in the world. To make it, you know, that got that worked with a lot of guys, especially Derek Watson and Demetrius Summers, uh, and Mo Thompson and those cats, but um, Savelle Newton, those guys. But also, uh, you know, you had Will Muschamp who did recruit twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. But honestly, when you look back, even though his initial staff had a lot of guys that had these big recruiting reps. Uh, the, at South Carolina, they were just good enough to finish second on a lot of folks. Uh, and that's beside, you know, Bobby Bentley certainly signed more than his share of guys at all positions, not just his own. Uh, he was really good. And then, um, you know, I, I think Mike Peterson uh, was about a 500 batter. But everybody else, guys, that was really, really good, the, the Gamecocks signed under Muschamp. Will Muschamp did it. I mean, if you, who's the lead recruiter? It was the head coach. Now you have – alignment where Shane Beamer is just like Muschamp, but he's heavily involved with recruiting, 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 recruiting. But then his staff from the top down, uh, they're all a bunch of good recruiters. I mean, I read something today from Jamonta Waller, the five-star edge slash linebacker from Mississippi named his top 10, the Gamecocks were in it. He's like, Clayton White, that's my guy. He's been with me for day one, since day one, blah, 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 blah. Well, that's the D coordinator, you know, uh, Dowell Loggins, Excellent recruiter. You know, Logan Diggs visited because of the work Dowell put in. Jody Wright's looking good. Um, uh, you know, as a recruiter, Sterling Lucas, who had not – everybody was freaking out. He's never recruited. Well, he's the reason you got Nick Harbor, him and Jody Wright. So, you know, uh, and Desmond Umiazulu, and when Montague Graham was here, and, you know, the and, and whatever edge they get this year. Uh, it goes on and on and on. And, and so I, I think that alignment combined with the fact that, uh, you know, Spurrier, his his staff that kind of set the table for him starting in 09 with G.A. Mangus and Whammy as a secondary coach and Brad Lawing as the D-line coach and Eric, and, uh, Eric Wolford and Sean Elliott coaching the offensive line. Um, you know, Jay Graham at running backs coach. Those guys really won. Shane, while Shane was the, the recruiting coordinator, those guys won a lot of recruiting battles and set Coach Spurrier up to do that. Then you notice he didn't replace them with as strong a guys. Um, you know, Muschamp is kind of the opposite thing. I think he – I'm still convinced he tried to do too much. And some of those guys that thought they were great recruiters 
that were great elsewhere certainly weren't at South Carolina, so they couldn't figure that out. Uh, this time, with Shane, you have complete alignment. Everybody believes in South Carolina. Everybody's loving being at South Carolina. Everybody knows how to sell South Carolina. I didn't even mention Pete Limbo uh, when I was talking about resistance earlier. The special teams coordinator, he, he's very good. He's very good at recruiting. Um, and, and Taylor Edwards and Derek Moore and all those guys off the field, too. So it's a special group. Lonnie Teasley, you know, uh, it's a special group. And I think Carolina's finally found the sweet spot. And then you combine that with the facilities, the positive energy around the program. And then, quite frankly, those two games, I mean, somebody was on the message board today griping about only winning eight games. I get it. That's fine. But uh, it's not so much the eight and five last year as it was the two and oh at the the end of the season. And then playing an absolute classic in the Gator Bowl that everybody remembers win or lose. That helps your program when, 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 when these kids see, oh, South Carolina, and they see the lights at williams Price. It looks like a rock concert now. Believe it or not, kids like that. And so um, I, I think that's the difference, you know, in what, what maybe has happened here previously. Uh, and I've gone into the, the geography, too. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm still sort of beside myself that they've expanded the recruiting territory that quick. Seems like every day. There's a guy from a place where they should be recruiting that pops up just like that kid from the seven five seven. So, uh, I think I think yeah. it's a smart plan. You know, we got the tools, we got the talent. I think that was from Independence Day. Well, and uh, so you know they got the tools, they got the talent. So, and to your point, well, I tell you what, uh, I've got a, I've got something to back up what you said. So when we return, this is this is pretty pretty astounding information if you haven't seen it. Um, I'll back up something JC just said a minute ago about faces from new places. We're teed up by TravelingCountryClub.com, almost 45 golf courses in the Carolinas, North Carolina and South Carolina. Teed up today for a low monthly rate at TravelingCountryClub.com from the mountains to the beach to the Midlands and pretty much everywhere in between. Hang tight. Inside the Gamecocks of the show from the Sinorama Studios. We'll be right back. The days of being back in the pool and boat are quickly approaching. Many of us don't have the time to hit the gym, but Charleston Fitness Equipment can change that for you. Outfit your home with a treadmill, elliptical, or my favorite, a home rower that allows you to row with the pros all over the world. They have free weights, home gyms, flooring, and much more that makes keeping or getting in shape much more convenient. Located in Mount Pleasant, visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com for more. Get in shape like our Gamecocks. Charleston Fitness Equipment, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS 2229 LONMLS 1772182. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say. And so does the Barndo Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details make your dream a reality visit the barndominiumco.com 
That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock owned and operated. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Ethan Petrie from Land Lakes, Florida, and you are listening to the show with JB, JC, and Phil. Go Cox. On a deep drive to left. Morgan looks up and it is gone. Go two is sent to center. And this one is going to be long gone. Shot the opposite field for Casas. And it's gone. 2-0. That's driven deep to left. Looks up and it's gone. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. This is the final segment of the show. So take it away, JB. Where'd you want so to take us down? How about this? Prospects have been offered by this coaching staff in 23, we'll call it states, but DC is one. So 22 states plus the district. 23. Um, that's that's almost half of the states in the in the country. As long as there's still 50 states in the country, as long as my math is still good here. So 23, which is – so, JC, because you've long said, you know, there, there's a couple of places, and, and, and it's not like this is exclusive to you. I mean, this has been talked about by the coaching staff, by other media outlets and things of that nature. Like, if you're South Carolina, you got to take care of home. Uh, you've often said you got to be able to go into places like Georgia and get the guys that, that you know, are kind of right on the cusp of – you know, Georgia can't take everybody, but Auburn has long gone in there and gotten these, these – um, you know, these 1B type kids, um, you know, Alabama, Florida, everybody. Tennessee has long in, gone in there, and once once Georgia shaves the top of this thing off and they take all of what they think are elite talent guys, it's up to South Carolina and Tennessee and Auburn and all these kind of blue-collar programs left in the SEC to go in there and fight and, and, and pull off who they can. But you look around the country, you look up in the DMV, Virginia and Maryland combined have 17 offers thrown out by South Carolina the South Carolina coaching staff. Florida and Georgia have a combined 92 offers from uh, South from the Gamecocks football program. Prospects do. Alabama has 19. North Carolina just 10. That's an interesting number when you compare those two. I mentioned the 17 combined between Virginia and Maryland. Eight out of the state of Pennsylvania. Seven from Tennessee. Seems just kind of odd that you'd have 26 prospects in Alabama and Tennessee that you've offered because maybe there's a chance that they might leave their states with, with the schools that are in there. But then you look elsewhere, Rhode Island, New York. Uh, you've offered a guy from Kentucky. Uh, you've offered three from Arkansas, four from New Jersey, four from Missouri, four from Connecticut, places that you historically don't offer a lot of kids from. And I'll leave it at this and let you take it home in the last couple of minutes here. Florida, Georgia, Alabama, North Carolina, Virginia, Maryland, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Mississippi, and Texas. They all have something in common. They all have kids, more kids who've been offered than kids from the state of South Carolina. With that said, JC, you've said this before, quality over quantity. 
If you're going to offer them, make sure that it's real. Make sure you get them. Carolina's five for five in the 2024 class. They've thrown five offers out in the Palmetto State. All five have already committed to South Carolina football. Absolutely, and, and you got uh, Marcus Downs and uh, Ter- uh, from Riverside, a D lineman, and Terrence Smith Jr., a corner wide receiver from South Aiken. They're both under evaluation. I can see them being camp guys that the Gamecocks uh, take. Uh, what you always want to avoid is you do always want to avoid missing on the Nick and Moray's and D. Hugh Smiths of the world or the – you know, name your Clemson player that was a three-star guy that started for their national championship team, uh, those guys. Because that – that and, the, and that was a problem with the Muschamp staff. You know, you had – you got really thin at receiver in 2020 because you had one, basically. And, um, you know, uh, there were some guys from the state, Jalen Hyatt, uh, and unfortunately the uh, Lavelle Davis who passed away uh, at Virginia was a freshman all-ACC guy. And you look at those guys, you're like, man, they could have used them, right? <laughs> uh, so you want to not – it's it's almost – if you lose a kid to Clemson in-state, that's going to happen. Uh, sometimes Georgia's going to come in and get a guy uh, like an A.J. Green or a Channing Tindall or a Richard Seymour, name your, your player that they got, one of the gathers. Uh, but if um, – it, it, you know, as long as that's all that's happening and it's not, uh, hey – Hello. Um, it's uh, it's not uh, you know as long as you're getting more than your fair share and you're not letting good players escape because you're out there chasing stars, which this staff is not. Um, I uh, I dig it, and I think you know if you're South Carolina historically, you know, and your numbers in state can't you can't rely on in state alone. Uh, you know, yes, you can you can outsmart everybody in Florida and Georgia if you can. Do it the kind of the TCU way and uh, wait around on North Carolina to open back up. I don't know if that's good or bad, you know, um, because of kind of the dynamics in, in North Carolina right now. Uh, or you could just go do what they're doing and go anywhere and everywhere to get guys. And if you're successful doing it, like I said before, that's that's the Tennessee plan from the Donnies. And last time I checked, that worked out pretty well for, for, Philibus, uh, yeah. uh, for, for Philip Fulmer. I'm not going to be ugly. Well. Uh, so, uh, you know, that's, uh, you know, and, and if you look at what they did, they got a couple from here, a couple from there, a couple from there, five or six from Tennessee, you know, and, and they kept that they got what they had, but then they, they would go into Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, uh, and get guys, especially South Carolina. I think the DMV is becoming the Gamecocks version of Tennessee, South Carolina in the 90s with all the guys they're getting. So uh, that's what kind of excites me. And like I said, like I tell, I told my butt one of my buddies at the event we had a couple of weeks ago. I was like, "Well, you know," because they're like, "Well, eight to ten wins, whatever." I was like, "Well, what if they do start really recruiting like Tennessee did uh, in the '90s because they're in position to do it?" And like, well, that's the, all bets are off. You know, the, you, you could you could every, you have the program everyone around here has always dreamed of. You know, because it starts with getting players. Well, there. They're, they're celebrating in Athens. Dylan Rayola, five-star quarterback from California. He missed the dogs over Nebraska. So Mike Bobo beat Marcus Satterfield at the head of that guy. That's another, and that's another dynamic West Coast quarterback who's made its way 
to the East Coast. To the SEC, yep. yeah. And somewhere well, Gunner Stockton's farther than the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Gunner Stockton's like, but I thought you loved me, Mike. I thought I was just going to walk in and be your guy. It's business. <laughs> uh, Kirby's not going to say, Kirby's not going to let Bobo just, no. Yeah, Kirby, no. they're, they're stocking it. But, uh, and this kid's really good, really good player, so we'll see. My my uh, money is on Gunner Stockton transferring. Yeah, I like what says, Quantrell says. It was like Ray, <laughs> uh, UGA, and Gunner Stockton will be starting for Auburn next year. <laughs> Hugh Freeze. <laughs> He'd be a good fit. Maybe. He'd be a good fit at South Carolina, but unfortunately, I think there's uh, I think there's a guy that's probably better than him on campus right now. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. And I, maybe. I could care less what the star ratings say. Yeah, can't say disagree. Sell you give me give me sellers over Stockton. I'll just say we old take I'm with you. I'm in. I'm in the. I'm in the, uh, I'm in the bunker with you. Uh, Landon Powell will join us on Wednesday as part of this week's. Born to Grow Carolina Conversation Series. Looking forward to having Landon Powell on our show Wednesday morning. We are powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston. Electricbikescharleston.com. They come from all over the great state of South Carolina to purchase from Michelle and her team in Mount Pleasant. Up to 28 miles per hour. 60 miles on a full charge. If you get somewhere and you can't get home, that'll get you home. Crack a roadie. You'll be there in no time. Electricbicecharleston.com. Thanks to John Whittle for joining us in hour number one. For JC and Phil, we are built by the Barndo Co., the barndominiumco.com. Inside the Gamecocks, the show. We'll be back tomorrow at 11, and we'll see you then.